Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Believe whatever you want to believe, whatever you want to do, just, yeah, just as long as you're politically faithful to me, like, you know how tyrannical kings are, just do what I say and you're good and you can be a priest. Who were not of the sons of the Levites, that's what he did. He, he made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of the Levites. He was making his own world, world religion based upon his political views and his political agenda. Verse 32, Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month like the feast that was in Judah and offered sacrifice on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he made. And at Bethel, he installed the priest on the high place, which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar, which he had made in Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month, in the month in which he devised in his own heart. He ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burnt incense. So he's just out of control. Now, he sets up altars to false gods and tells the people, the, the people of covenant, just like being in a, pa- a pulpit and telling people not to believe in Jesus, not to believe the Bible, not to believe in creation, not to believe in gender determined by God. Like, that's what it's like. That's what this is like. There's just recreating everything in your own mind, how you think God should be creating a God of your own mind. So a golden calf in the north, a golden calf down here will make false worship accessible, shrines here and there. Anyone can be the priesthood. Just pay your taxes and don't cause problems. That's how, that's how it works. That's, today I was reviewing the 50 most persecuted countries on planet Earth and the mission groups trying to reach them. And one of the organizations lists what is the primary source of oppression against Christians in these countries. We're talking like Afghanistan, Myanmar, like Burma, just, you know, these kind of, I'm using old names and new names, but Indonesia, these kind of places. So, you know, Thousands of Christians persecuted, killed. Millions of Christians, you know, not a lot of education, not a lot of health care, not a lot of all kinds of things. These 50 most common countries. And it lists the primary reason what's attacking them. So it's like Islam, 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 totalitarianism, communism, totalitarianism, totalitarianism, corruption, Mexico, totalitarianism, Islam, Islam, Islam. Yeah. It's, It's men who, or women, who seize power and manipulate religion to control and keep power. I mean, if you go back to the Soviet Union under Stalin, Lenin, then Stalin, and Stalin and Khrushchev and all those guys, they, would, they had the state church, the Russian Orthodox Church, and the, the archbishop of, so the archbishop of the Anglican Church would be like, he's like the Pope, you know, so you have the Pope, the Catholic Pope, Anglican is Archbishop of Canterbury, but the Metropolitan of uh, Moscow is like the Pope of the Russian state church, and those guys, sometimes they were persecuted by the communists, the Soviets, and sometimes they weren't. But always, Stalin, and the czars did this before Stalin, but you make sure that that guy's a political person, does whatever you tell him to do, and then all the people who follow religion just follow him. So if he says, Stalin's a good guy, he's a good guy. If they say, ignore that we're starving the Ukrainians in the 20s and the famine, hey, just ignore that, because Stalin's a good guy, and we can trust him. That's what they do. They redefine religion to serve them, and they might even make their own new holidays. Here in America, you know, we have new holidays. 
Well, who even knows what holidays we'll have before we get to 80 or 90, 2041, 2051. These people that hate God, they just create new holidays. They, they claim these. They, they take this and says that's ours. They take that and says it's ours. Oh, we're going to claim this month. We're going to do this and that. That's what they do. But we shouldn't be moved because God's allowed it. God's allowed it. And you say, well, okay, like that's your holiday. Mine's still, you know, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacle, Christmas, Easter. And the first three are just shadows of things to come. And yeah, 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 Christmas was a pagan holiday. And, you know, Augustine did this. But, you know, we still celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's what I celebrate. Yeah, and Easter, yep, fertility. Yep, you want to worship rabbits, having more rabbits, good for you. But we celebrate Jesus in an empty tomb. Good for us. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled, nothing's pure. So, yeah, we grew up celebrating who discovered America. And now it's something else. They just... You tear down monuments of people who did good stuff, and you're going to replace them with monuments of people who promote evil. That's what's going on. So is there anything new under the sun? God's allowed it. You have peace in your heart. You don't let it unsettle you. So we look at Jeroboam and go like, this really is what Solomon said. There's nothing new under the sun. This, this is like, we see this. The communists came to power the, in China. and Well, they did it in China. Mao Zedong did it. But Stalin definitely did it. Burn all the books, change the thinking, rewrite history. That's what you do. That's what tyrants do. It's like tyranny. It's tyranny 101 or Marxism as they teach it in the public schools in China. You used to redefine it. That's what Jeroboam did. And you make it religious. That's what Jeroboam did. So, of course, there's a warning for us. Don't follow the religion of Jeroboam, which we pretty much all know what the application is. Anything other than the word of God is a final authority in America right now, coming from the pulpits or synagogues or mosques or shrines or temples, is the religion of Jeroboam. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. Have you not read how he made them? We're created with purpose. How he made them male and female. We're created with clear gender. And how the two become one in marriage, male and female. Like, it's all there. Anything against that is just religion of Jeroboam. I think we know that. Anyone listen to me? If you don't, you should. Because the religion of Jeroboam has a bad ending. It's like golden cows. It's never going to be a good ending. But this is the thing I thought about, and this is an application for us before we get to Rehoboam. One key positive that we got to take from Jeroboam, that we got to learn from it. This man, remember, this man, we didn't read it, but this man, when we went verse by verse, we did, was offered by God the keys to the kingdom. God offered this man the same chance he gave any other king to obey the word of God, to seek the priest, read the scriptures, heed the voice of the prophets, and do good and do right. This man could have woken up every morning and said the Shema like a good Hebrew would, as described in the law of God. He could have got up and said to his wife and his servants, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord be gracious unto thee. And may, you know, may you find his favor. He, he could have gone through the fields of the ten tribes saying, the Lord bless this and God we acknowledge you, the provider and the giver of all things. He could have done all that. And he could have, when it came to the three feasts where everyone would go down to Jerusalem, he could have said, you know, I'm going to trust God because God made me the king. And he told us in his word, you know, to celebrate the feast. So I can let the people go celebrate the feast and just trust that they're self-determined. If they want to go to that church, they're going to go to that church. If they want to move to Texas, they're going to move to Texas. But I'm not going to try and control them. 
We're going to be secure in our calling. We're going to be secure in our faith. We're going to be secure in the promises. We're going to be secure in the standards of what's right and wrong. And we're going to serve like King David did. We're going to shepherd God's people because he sees them like sheep. As Jack even led us in worship tonight, referring to us as sheep. Because we are. He could have made himself a great shepherd for the northern tribes. See, division was of the Lord. There was no choice in that. But what each king chose to do and what every citizen chose to do under that was self-determined. See, that's the key. He could have been the best king ever of 10 tribes under a divided kingdom. He could have been. He could have been. But he chose other than that. See, it says in verse 26, he said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. And that was his great fear. What if the people go and they turn against me and they take my life? See, he got all worked up and worried by all these scenarios. For him, the glass was half empty. And if you see a half empty glass, for sure it's going to be spilt over and nothing will be left. But if you're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, if we're looking unto him who has accomplished our redemption, if you're looking unto his promises, his promised return, that he's given us to all things pertaining to life and godliness, and our life is in his hands, and the days were fashioned for us, when yet there's none of them, David, Psalm 139. If you see that, then you're secure. And you just do the right thing. See, Josiah, 39, he did all the right things, and he died in battle. But he died in battle with peace in his heart and integrity in his character. When you see with unbelief, and when you see without trusting God, and when you are disobedient to the Lord, and you you become judge and jury of God's word instead of God's word judging us, we become Jeroboam, and we start recreating religion in our own mind. We stumble other people, and he's a king, so he stumbled a lot of people. And before you know it, you're putting up golden caps and saying, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. That's what happens. When you're, you say in your heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. When we're moved by fear and uncertainty and insecurity, it's always going to be a bad ending. But when we're moved by faith and confidence with an attitude of faith in the promises of God, we're, 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 not, we're just going to keep going forward in faith. We're going to trust in the Lord. No matter, where, no matter what time zone certain people live in today around the planet, in these 50 countries I study today, There are people that are waking up with faith and confidence in the Lord, in the call in their life, in the purpose of their life, who are going to redeem every moment of their life unto Jesus Christ, and they're completely sold out, whether in Sudan, Mauritania, uh, Nigeria, or Colombia, or anywhere else. Those are the people that we want to be. We're not moved by the fear of, what if they do this, and what if they do that, and what if this and that and everything else? Life is so short as a vapor. We need a healthy attitude of faith in Jesus and his word and his promises. And we know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we just got to take in more scripture. Yeah, the cup is half full. But if you're taking in the scriptures and spending time with Jesus, man, it's, it's filling up. But if you're rebelling and you're in disobedience and you're in unbelief and you're moved by fear and anxiety of men, it, you're just, that cup's half full and what you got's about to spill because you're just, you're just, well, as a man or woman thinketh, so they become. So I definitely tell you, see a half cup of water being filled up by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, get your hustle on and fill the water pot so he can turn it to wine and make it something special. That's what I'm talking about. Man, Jeroboam could have been great. Instead, he gets rebuked by the man of God, has his hand frozen, then has it returned to him when he begs for mercy. Then he has a sick son who is struck down by the Lord 
And he loses his son, and all Israel mourns for his son. And then God says, because you've done more evil than anyone before you, you've done more evil than anyone before you, you're going to be cut off, your descendants are going to be cut off, and no one's going to remember you, except that he's in the word of God to remind us that people that shouldn't be remembered sometimes should be, so we know not to become those people. It could have been so great. Now, Rehoboam is a little different. Rehoboam's a little different. So Jeroboam was, was unbelief and a fearful heart, and he, he just is all the wrong attitude, the wrong perspective, insecurity. He had to control people. He, didn't, he couldn't just say they're, they're God's sheep like David said. He just couldn't let them go and just say, hey, God bless you. He couldn't be that kind of person. No, he's going to control them, and he's going to be moved by fear of not having control over them. Instead of building bridges, he could have built bridges with Rehoboam. Hey, let's be good. I'm gonna, people want to come down and have a holiday. Instead of building bridges or even just at least copacetically getting along, he just burnt bridges and he just created a whole new religion to his own demise and disaster. Now, Rehoboam in verse 21 of chapter 14, so we go forward a little bit and we get the details on Rehoboam, and we'll read this text, and then we'll wrap it up tonight with Rehoboam and lessons from Rehoboam, his big mistake and what we could do to avoid that. So verse 21 of chapter 14, after we're told that Jeroboam lived 22 years and it was not good, Then we get Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. So 58. Uh, A lot of people in the 50s right here in this church. 58. The city which the Lord had chosen, Jerusalem, out of all the tribes of Israel, to put his name there. His mother's name was Nama, an Anamitess. So Solomon's first wife was a Canaanitess. Before he married Pharaoh's daughter, he married this woman and had Rehoboam. This is his firstborn son. Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, the tribe of Judah, and they provoked him, the Lord, to jealousy with their sins, which they committed more than all that their fathers had done. It got worse under Rehoboam, more than their fathers had done, like just just worse and worse and worse, a downward spiral. For they also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, wooden images on every high hill under every green tree. And they're also perverted persons. So these are the gay uh, prostitutes. They, they did according... Now, previously, there was other prostitution before that under Solomon. We're not told the perverted guys were there, the Kadeshis, but here we're told that the, uh, you know, Kadesh, the Kadesh were involved in open male prostitution on the hills. And the, this translated English perverted persons in the land. Look what it says. They did according to all the abominations of the nations, that's the Canaanites, which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So Israel now has become worse as a people of covenant than the people who are to be wiped off the planet because of their sins. They're doing worse. Jesus said, if salt loses its flavor, what is it good for? It's good for nothing. If the church acts like the world, it loses its flavor, and it's good for nothing. But we're to be salt and light. Verse 25. And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishaka, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem, and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away... <laughs> everything. He, he took away all the gold shields which Solomon had made. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in, in, um, in their place and committed them to the hands of the captain of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord and the guards carried them and they brought them back into the guard room. Basically, they went in and out of the safe every day. Then we read, Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did are not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. So Rehoboam rested with his fathers, and he is replaced by his son, Abijam. So these are the details of Rehoboam's life. Now, we got all that stuff of Jeroboam in the north. Now, Rehoboam, it's similar. He built the 
place, he allowed the altars and these false places, and he allowed this, uh, the gay prostitution, probably most likely the regular prostitution. It was all associated with false religions, too. They didn't just do sexual immorality. They did it in relation to their gods and their deities that they worshipped in conjunction with that. And then he lost the gold shields. In fact, he, he lost everything. He lost the gold shields. That he, he lost his dad's treasure. He lost the Lord's treasure. He lost everything. David, his grandfather. Isn't that an amazing thought? David was his grandfather. The great King David was his grandfather. And remember what grandfather David did before he stepped into eternity? He gathered all of his wealth from the labors and the battles that he fought and everything he did, man, David had a tough life, but he had fiber and character. And he gave all that wealth to Solomon for the building of the temple. Then after Solomon built the temple, he brought all the extra wealth into the temple to allow furtherance and expansion of the kingdom once he was gone. But the glory of God, the goodness of God, and the spirit of God, and the power of God is, is, has its own freedom in every generation. Each generation has to determine what they really want with the Lord as each individual does. And in the case of Rehoboam, he'll be forever remembered as the king who lost everything. He's the grandson. He lost it all. He lost it all. All that David lived for or acquired in his battles against the Edomites, the Syrians, and the, the, the Philistines, all that was dedicated to the Lord when it's no longer the Lord's, it's just temporal wealth that just gets redistributed by people who steal wealth from one another on planet Earth. It's the human experience. And it all got redistributed. Pharaoh came, took, 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 took. So here's something interesting. Jeroboam's family was cut off. His sins had his family cut off, and he lost his family, the legacy, everybody. No descendants within a few generations. Rehoboam had the safety net because he's a descendant of David, so his, his generations will continue just because God's made that promise. But he lost all the money. He lost all the wealth. Jeroboam's disobedience was moved by fear and control into false religion. Rehoboam's failure was really moved by indifference, compromise, and ineptitude. See, he didn't deal with things that needed to be dealt with. His dad had lowered the bar, and he had the chance to raise the bar. And he said, like, well, okay, Joey, like, how are you so sure he could have? Because Josiah did, and so did Hezekiah. For hundreds of years, hundreds of years, good Hebrews, when they went to Jerusalem three times a year to go to the feast, they walked Kidron Valley like this and that. If you've ever been to Israel, you can picture it like this. And there they are. There, there's the tents for the gay prostitutes and the regular prostitutes and all the bad stuff going on in Israel that no one wants to talk about. And they walked by and like, Dad, you, what's up with that? It takes a real woman of God, a real man of God with conviction and character to say, you know, no, not, not on my watch. No. That is never acceptable. It's never going to be acceptable. And no matter how acceptable these people want it to be or my counselors or my dad's counselors, that will never be acceptable because I'm reading the scriptures right now and I know in the law of God that is never under any circumstance acceptable. And it just takes someone who's got courage, conviction, character and integrity to stand up and say, no, that's not going to happen. So maybe we can't change bad laws in our country, but we can certainly pray for good things to happen. We can be part of the solution or through silence and compromise and ineptitude or indifference, we can just be part of the problem. And you say, how will we know? Well, you'll know on the day of the Lord, won't you? 
And won't I? Oh, we'll know. We will know. Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, because we must all appear before his judgment seat, we persuade men to repent and trust in Jesus. We will all give an account, not just for what we say, every idle word, but the motives and the intents and the thoughts of the heart. That is so sobering. So even if you don't take months of your life to walk for hundreds of miles to pray against the darkness you see descending on the land like I did in 2008. And many of you prayed for me while I did, so thank you. I got up on election day in 2008. Hannah dropped me off at 56th Street. I touched the water in Jesus' name, and I walked 28 miles the length of Orange County and interceded for my county, this state, and our country on election day 2008. And I came back home. Brian Jameson picked me up, came back here. Hannah told me she was harassed by her peers at the, at the voting booth within where they shouldn't be legally. They're harassing her because they, she wasn't going to vote how they want her to vote. And I was like, well, that's just the America you get. I got a different one, but I'll be praying for you and yours. I came here and I taught a Bible study that Tuesday night, Election Day 2008. See, something the Lord showed me about that election. I thought I was praying against principalities and powers in California. All that was going on and for my children's future, and my children's children's future, and I was. But looking at planet Earth right now, I realize I was fighting a much bigger battle than just three corrupt judges at the State Court of Appeals, or corrupt people in corrupt places. It's a spiritual battle, and the Lord's allowed what's happened to this planet in 2022, and to some degree, it's terrifying, but you know what? I haven't stopped praying I haven't stopped praying for the lost. We haven't stopped giving for the lost. You haven't stopped praying for the lost. We haven't stopped giving for missions. We're giving more now than we've ever given before. We're, we're about the Father's business. We're moving mountains in prayer. We're not, we can't move these tents and we can't move these shrines that others have built, but we can definitely make sure they don't rule and reign in our hearts. And we can definitely make sure that in our prayers life, in our personal life, and the voice that we have of truth, that we don't capitulate and surrender truth for the degeneration of our culture and falsehood. That's what we can do. That's why I look at it. You know, when I did that prayer walk, the Lord's like, you're you're good. It's all good. You can go home now. I was in the grapevine. I was like, Lord. And the Lord's like, I finished that last walk that day by Maricopa. I was going to go to Sacramento. I was like, I was like Forrest Gump, man. I was walking, walking, walking. I just stopped at a phone booth on the side of the road, north of Marcop. I was like, well, I guess I'm done. I turned around. I didn't have all the people Forrest Gump had in the movie behind him when he was running across the country. I turned around. Like, and I called Alex and Jeff Thompson. They were in a car back at Maricopa. They came and picked me up. I fell asleep on the way home, and that was it. And then I prayed on election day. We do what we can. We do what we can. And you see, the thing was, Rehoboam could have done more than what he did. But he, he was a coward. And he, he compromised the, the, the truth in his land. He compromised what was right with religion, if you will, in his land. And in the end, he went from gold shields to bronze shields. The shields he got is what he deserved. He didn't upgrade the kingdom. I was telling Sam, and I mentioned after service Tuesday night, I was like, you know, what do you do with gold shields? How do you upgrade gold shields? You put the precious jewels in them. You put the diamonds and the rubies that your dad had in them. That's what you do. But it's not about the temporal wealth. It's about the eternal wealth in your heart of who you are as a man or woman that that represents that. But when your heart's bronze with the Lord and your grandfather was gold, then that's it. It's gone. You've been plundered, but you did it to yourself. And that's what happened. So the great lesson for us is to be obedient 
and to, to have courage and conviction and character and not dumb down our conviction based upon the word of God because all around us there's tabernacles and booths that we have no control over that people in power continue to erect for killing babies or doing perversion. What are you going to do? We're going to look to Jesus because God's allowed it. We're going to look to Jesus and in whatever he's allowed us to be a part of, we're going to see things through the eyes of faith, unlike Rehoboam, through the eyes of fear. And we're going to be men and women of conviction and character in our hearts and in our minds. And we're going to stand for what's true, just, noble, praiseworthy, and honorable for the Lord until the day of the Lord. That's what we're going to do. And if we get to be a part of change, well, we are a part of change. Good for us. It'll all be made known in eternity. Rehoboam and Jeroboam are long gone, just like the kings that rule over us now will be, and so will we. So the real issue is having peace in our hearts because we know God's in control. The real issue is having an attitude of faith and, con- attitude of faith and confidence and security coming from the promises of the Lord. And the real issue is being a person of conviction and character with obedience and holding fast, having done all stood and stand in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.